The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 169. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make himself. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks called We'll Always Have Tom Paris. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stiga. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, stick around to the end. We're going to have your listener feedback on our recent episodes and some other stuff as the, as from listeners who've sent in some messages. So stick around for that at the end. Also, be sure to join the StarQuest fan club by texting StarQuest to 66866. That's StarQuest to 66866. And finally, I want to recommend another show that you'll enjoy on the StarQuest network called The Secrets of Technology. And we approach the topic of technology news, but also on ways you can use your technology from a distinctly Catholic perspective. So check it out wherever you find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash technology. But uh, today we're talking about Lower Deck's third episode of the season called We'll Always Have Tom Paris, and I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> Jimmy, could you give us a quick recap of the episode? Boimler is having trouble settling back into life aboard the Cerritos because while he was gone, the security was beefed up and now the system doesn't recognize him. As a result, navigating through the ship is a Sisyphan ordeal for him because the computer won't obey him and do things like open doors. But Boimler is desperate to get to the bridge because that's where Tom Paris is visiting from Voyager and Boimler wants him to sign a commemorative Voyager plate that he has. Ultimately, he gets there, but he is so disheveled by the ordeal of getting there that Tom Paris thinks he's a Kazon and beats him up. <laughs> Meanwhile, it turns out that like Earth cats, Kations go into Ponfar, and Dr. Ta'ana uh, assigns Tendi to go get a family heirloom she needs. Tendi takes Mariner along to make it a girl's road trip, and they discover they actually don't know each other as well as they thought, though they end up bonding in the end. They also break the ritual totem pole that Dr. Ta'ana sent them after, but that ends up being okay because, also like Earth Cats, Dr. Ta'ana doesn't care what was in the box. She just wants to chill out in the box itself. <laughs> uh, finally, Shax is Bax, and Rutherford becomes obsessed with how he and other bridge officers frequently come back from the dead. Ultimately, Shax tells him the answer, which we hear part of. It involves depraved. It involves dark secrets of depraved science and is so terrifyingly disturbing that Rutherford won't even tell his fellow Lower Deckers because it's a sanity-breaking secret ordinary people must not know for their own good. The end. <laughs> the end. 
<laughs> you could have called this Earth Cats Are Crazy, but uh, it's remember yeah. the movie Earth Girls Are Crazy. Yeah, with Judy <laughs> Tenuta. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of movies, that's mm-hmm. what we—that's what this episode's title is a reference to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casablanca, uh, in um, the Rick character played by Humphrey Bogart and the mm-hmm. other character played by Ingrid Bergman, met in Paris and had a romance there. And now that they're meeting again in Algeria, is it in mm-hmm. North Africa? Um, they have to decide: Are they going to stick together, or is she going to stick with her husband? And and she ends up sticking with her husband, but the line is, we'll always have Paris. Spoilers mm. for a 70-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, right. 70, yeah. yeah. So the other reference is to a first-season TNG episode called We'll Always Have Paris, which was a reference mm. to the Casablanca movie. But, uh, ah. but it has nothing to do with whatever happens here. And so, you know, Boimler wanted you guys play sign. Well, you too can get a Tom Paris plate. Yes. They're actually... They're actually doing a limited firing of a Tom Paris commemorative plate through Star Trek Unlimited. Uh, you can buy it for 30 bucks. You can get one. Although it, I, I think if you get it signed, as, as Jimmy pointed out, you got to go through massive amounts of uh, trouble to get there. <laughs> and I, was, Bar- I, was, I wanted a sign plate. <laughs> barge your yeah. way through the convention to Duncan McNeil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it is a fun and, and I'll then put a link. It, and yeah. then let him beat you up as a Kazon. Yes. Yep, he'll exactly. Sign it. Tom, uh, Thomas Duncan O'Neill? No, not Thomas. Uh, Robert. Robert Duncan Robert O'Neill. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, and that's the great thing is, is he voices, of course, he voices the character in this episode. And uh, so it's great to have original from the, from the older series characters come back. Well, now, now one, thing that's, one thing that's kind of funny is even though Voyager itself is, what, 20 years old, mm-hmm. this, is, this is set only three years after Voyager's return from Earth. To Earth, yeah. Re- yeah. Yeah, returned to Earth. Yeah, because yeah. 2378 is when Voyager returned, and then this is set in 2381. Right, right. That's true. That's true. I, and okay. he's still just a lieutenant. Yes. So Tom Paris is described in this episode variously as the creator of Fairhaven, Captain Proton, the first human to break the war- transwarp barrier. And of course, Mariner says, is he still a salamander? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worst episode ever. Yes. Ever. Yep. That was that is a great reference to a terrible episode. Uh Boimler is a Voyager fo- fanboy and calls it Voy, just like all yep. the Trek fans do. I I love when they kind yep. of break that fourth wall a little bit and and do that. Uh So so we've got Voy and last episode the D. The D. Yeah. Yes. We're, so, we're starting to get these nicknames. Right. Well, I, right. I, I, I kind of laugh because, of course, you know, Voy comes from the three-letter code that everybody refers to, you know, Star Trek Voy. Except Lord Dex breaks that. Yep. Every other series is referred to by a three-letter code except Lord Dex. LD. LD. What, what is Prodigy going to be? That's going <laughs> to... And, and, STP. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Strange New Worlds will be SNW, obviously. You know, just that, yep. that's clear. Uh, th- that is funny. Yeah, it, is, it does break the convention. Um, the other thing is that uh, Boimler has commemorative plates from all the other Voyager bridge officers, from Captain Janeway all the way down to Kim. I love the fact yep. that he says down to Kim. <laughs> I mean, he's the most junior of the officers, but still, it's kind of and funny. And he's got them all signed except for the Tom Paris one. Right, right. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that that's a lot of fun. And we see... Um, a lot of this, this, there's a, there's a kind of who am I aspect? Like, wh- like, where do I fit in the world that Bormler brings up? Because he couldn't make it on the Titan. 
And now even his own ship, which he thinks of Trishuda as his own ship, won't recognize him. So where do I fit in the world? Yeah, and this is manufactured drama. It's like, dude, just go to tech support and have them relog you into the system. <laughs> you just so need stubborn. a password reset. Yes, yeah. yes. In fact, they tell if, him if right up com- front to do it. Yeah, if the computer will let him actually, you know, log the, the ticket with tech support in the first place. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. So, so the, now I want to talk a little bit about the Shacks thing, because we had we speculated, well, what's you know what happens to the actor who voiced Shax. He's keep, he's still in the credits, so why do they keep putting him in the credits? Well, that's because they were never going to get rid of Shax. I'm not sure where that puts him uh, vis-a-vis Kayshawn, who, who was the new security chief. Yeah, I, on Memory Alpha, they they in summarizing this episode, they said it has not been established what position he's doing now, but uh, he's been seen working in engineering. Okay. So maybe, maybe he'll be an engineer now. Okay. And you know, one thing I like is they completely just point right at the finger of, you know, the idea of you don't find a body. They're not dead. You <laughs> right. know, they just they just flat out. They just lay it right out there in front of you. Yeah. Well, you didn't find a body. He wasn't or he was dead, but he's not dead anymore. Well, even when you do find a body, the like, and they kind of point to all the ways that bridge crew have come back from the dead. The Katra reunited, <laughs> the Nexus time ribbon, which the, aren't those the same thing. The Genesis device, which yep. actually is the same with the Katra thing. Reconstructed by the Borg. Sun from the future? Alternate sun from a future timeline. That's uh, 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 Alexander did that. Oh, right. Okay, that's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, that is. And then you got got Mirror Universe Switcheroo. That's right. Giorgio. (laughs) Yes, that is is funny. I I do like, yeah, they keep, they, they really poked at this whole trope that Star Trek really relies on to create drama by killing characters, but not really. It's also getting a little close to John Scalzi's novel Red Shirts, mm-hmm. um, it, which is for people who may not be aware, it's a it's a really interesting novel. It has some non family friendly stuff in it, but yeah. um, it is it is basically a parody of Star Trek that takes its the fact that the bridge crew lead charmed lives yeah um seriously and right. the red shirts or the lower deckers in other words are the ones who can die but yeah. not the bridge mm-hmm. crew and the universe conspires to keep the bridge crew alive but not the red shirts and eventually <laughs> the red shirts notice this and realize <laughs> they are under threat and need to take action to deal with this situation because they're dropping like flies yeah and, and then the book um, takes a, 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 a turn that is really unexpected. <laughs> several, yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a surprisingly accurate theological analysis in one of the appendices to the, uh, <laughs> about the nature of identity and what's happening and so forth mm-hmm. in the novel. Um, but it, uh, it, it is interesting to see this played differently it's played for comedy in both cases in a sense but more for drama there uh where um where the universe just conspires to keep mm-hmm. bridge crew alive here it's at least implied that the in order to come back to life the bridge crew have this horrific ordeal they right. have to go through yeah because uh, when Shaq starts to tell rutherford i mean initially they've they've warned rutherford off because he's just on the verge of asking shacks how he came back when someone else does and is immediately like demoted yeah yeah <laughs> um and eventually rutherford summons up the courage to do it in a turbo lift and no one can hear so Shaq stops the turbo lift and says well 
okay, I assume you know about the block about the Black Mountain, right? And he's like, uh, no. no. Um, well, in the afterlife, you go to the Black Mountain, and then you have to battle three faceless versions of your father, and whichever one survives forces you to eat your heart. Yeah. And, and that's all we hear. <laughs> and, and Rutherford's eyes are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. There is a one point where Rutherford has this sort of hallucination of all the different ways that shacks could have come back and yeah. you know, the, the mirror universe versions and all this sort of stuff and at one point in the just at the very end of it there's a quick line of in the nexus it's always christmas <laughs> yeah, I remember, remember that line yeah it's awesome <laughs> the nexus you know ron moore who was one of the authors of star trek uh generations that introduced the nexus um has been critical of it. Uh, yeah. he, he he thought that it, the writing was too rushed because they were trying to do all good things at the same, basically mm. the same time that they were writing generations. Yeah. And so at least they were too close to each other. And so he thought the writing suffered. And I've always thought the nexus from generations is underwhelming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they talk about it in generations as if it's this, I expected fields of light and bliss and <laughs> yep. and I I liked my brother's summary of it. Um so there's this holodeck flying through space and this guy wants to get into it more than anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he should have got together with Spock's brother because they seem to be of a of a pair. <laughs> yeah. So uh the what was the other thing I was oh they they did miss a few ways that people have come back uh, coming back as an android is one that mm -hmm. is kind of re recent uh, and then uh, what was the other one I was thinking? oh mm. uh, the that might have been a little close to home <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, uh, being re uh, reanimated on a shore leave planet is another one that they missed <laughs> which mm -hmm. we oh, talked and, about and don't, recently don't forget the, the ever popular time loop T uh, right a time loop yes which might be the we'll always have paris thing but yeah yep. <laughs> that is true so yeah so that's the shacks thing uh shacks is back and i think we've now that we've put a pin no, no, in no, that no. you have to say it right shacks is back i want a shirt now <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a shirt out there shacks is backs uh and he keep, he's still calling rutherford little bear which i think is adorable and funny that was great yep. <laughs> yeah yep uh nice call back so let's talk about Tandy, uh, Tandy and Mariner and their mission. This is their first mission alone together. And mm -hmm. they end up realizing how little they actually know about each other, because in the past, it's always been Boimler and Mariner going off and Rutherford and Tandy going off. And it's I think it's the writers kind of poking a little bit at the uh, the, the the romantic tension that they've been building up between these pairs. Mm -hmm. And kind of saying, mm -hmm. look, you know, it doesn't always have to be about pairing off and having romantic tension on missions. Maybe we could just have these two well, women go off and pair up and do a mission. Although, although Tendi kind of pokes at that, uh, Mariner says, well, I, th I thought you and Rutherford were, were a pair. And she goes, not yet. <laughs> we're not, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, whereas Mariner is very like, no, Boimler, no, you, he's like a pet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in, in denial. Uh, so the, I, I do like that they did. They kind of I'd really that's one of the things I think Lower Decks does well is they go at these things straight mm -hmm. on like the, the, mm -hmm. the sorts of things that fans will bring up and they just go straight at it. OK, we'll we'll do it and we'll do it fun and amusing. 
I liked how they initially build resentment between the two of them as mm-hmm. they realize they don't know each other as well as they assumed. Um, like Mariner reveals that she was on Deep Space Nine serving on Deep Space Nine at the same time Worf was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, we've never seen that and, and they haven't mentioned it before. And so Tendi is very surprised. It's like, I didn't know you were on DS9. I thought the Cerritos was your first ship. And she's like, no, it's like my fifth. This is kind of an important thing about me. I talk about it all the time, <laughs> yeah. which she does, but just not in front of Tendi. There was Mariner did mention once last season, there was a flashback to being on DS9 mm-hmm. where uh, mm-hmm. a creature ate a uh, fellow crew member. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. The um, also. So there's a great bit where, you know, um, Tendi is referring to people's misimpressions of Orion's thinking they're all thieves and pirates and yeah. so, and then realizes, oh, wait, because they've broken the ritual object and yeah. they need to get it repaired. And it's like, wait, my cousin works in a thieves den in a pirate's hideout. We could <laughs> yeah. we could go get him f- to fix it. And <laughs> and so while they're there. Um, he refers to her as mistress of the win- winter constellations, which is a great name. Um, <laughs> and apparently this is something she was called when she was young. And then he later refers to her as Devana and Mariner is like, what is this? Some other weird title you have? And it's like, no, it's my first name. <laughs> Devana yeah. Tendi. You didn't know that. <laughs> right. I do like that th- this is the first time we've kind of really delved into Tendi's Orion background, uh, right. which which has this stereotype that is about Orions being like either Orion slave girls. Uh, they don't really talk about the slave girl thing, but they talk about I'm not that kind of Orion who use, who has the pheromone thing going on. Mm-hmm. She, she mentions or who uses them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've brief. They've briefly mentioned it before that people always assume that my my people are, you know, thieves and pirates and uh, some of them aren't. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I do like we're not just thieves and pirates. That's a stereotype. Oh, that reminds me. I have a cousin who's a pirate yeah. and a thieves then. I just love that. <laughs> they did that one of the first episodes of, of last season where some of us haven't been for five years. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we have this tension between Mariner's laid back attitude versus Tendy's desire to get promoted. This is the the mm-hmm. uh, the conflict. And this is what gets them in trouble. So Tendi has to go to Quailer too. That's the where the storage booth is for Doctor Taana's uh, scratching post. <laughs> and Quailer too is a planet that was established back in Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was this kind of seedy planet where Captain Picard ends up like contacting this underground in that two parter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we had a bar scene on Quailer too with the multi armed. Yep. Wo- multi-armed woman who sucked salt. Right. Um, And this time they visually modeled it off of that planet from Star Trek Picard, the casino Mm -hmm. planet. Yes. Whatever it is. Um, And there's a Quark's bar there. Yep. So the Quark franchise has been expanding, which is nice. And a Vic Fontaine's too, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't see that. It was right right across the street from Quark's. (laughs) And Mariner reveals you can get any drink you want as a slushy on this planet. So that she says awesome. we're going to have have to get like five different <laughs> slushies just 
to try that out. I think all drinks should be available as slushies. That's just my. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And we also find a little more about Tendi. She's into Klingon acid punk and uh, has a conversation about. Uh, Klingon acid punk with the the, the storage unit guy, who's uh, vacation also. Yeah, it's yep. like oh, I love that one. They sing over the 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 wails of the dishonored, and I yeah. saw them live in concert. <laughs> they had a real chorus of dishonored Klingons wailing on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and and the title of that musical piece in in included the word Grethor, which is the place of the damned from the Voyager episode Barge of the Damned. That's right. That's right. Ah. Oh yeah, what do they call it? it was. It's Grethor Core. That's what they call it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, acid rock, acid punk. Hmm. Uh, so they, because Mariner is Mariner, she wants to look at the, the whatever's in the box. And so they open up the box while they, when they get get it back to the shuttle and they start messing with it and break it because of course it looks like yeah. a so, raccoon totem pole. <laughs> yes, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a scratching post. Yeah, yeah, yeah it scratches an itch. And uh, <laughs> the uh, they of course Mariner knows a guy who could fix it for them. So they have to go to Bonestell at Starbase Ear- Earhart or Starbase Earhart at Bonestell. Earhart. Planet. Mm-hmm. Earhart. Thank you. Which is yep. the place where young Ensign Picard was when he got stabbed through the heart by, uh, by Nausicans. By Nausicans playing Domjot. Domjot. And of course we have Tandy and Mariner end up playing Domjot against Nausicans because apparently that's all Nausicans do all day long is they <laughs> hang around in bars and play Domjot. They, they play Domjot and stab people. Yes. Uh, and apparently they play it poorly. So, so they, uh, they or, win. Or at least Mariner plays it well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, they win and, uh, but they end up losing all of the money that they, that they won by having to run away from them. Mariner throws the money the latinum into the Nausicaan's faces. And, to and the totem pole is smashed even further. And right. Then that's he's freaking out even more. Yeah. Like that's going to be the thing. Progressively, this totem pole gets smashed more and more and more. And, and it's, it's never going to get it back together. But, but the point is, it's, nev- it's not about the totem pole. Yeah. All, and, and there are other things they could have done like replicator. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. right. Um, I, I do like the fact that, the 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 whole Taana wants the box thing. There was a um a that was a, of, that was a good twist. Yeah, yeah. Right. there was a recent episode of Let's Science that is also mm-hmm. on the SQPN network where uh, they talked about this study that found that cats will sit in boxes that aren't real boxes but are optical illusions of boxes. So yeah. if you put like yeah. pieces of paper on the ground that make it look like a box, they'll sit in it. I mean, or cats. masking tape, a little yes. rectangle of masking yep. tape, they'll think it, they'll treat it like a box. Right. And the reason cats do that is because it makes them feel safe. It makes them feel yep. in control of their environment. Right. I I have to laugh though when Dr. Tahana got in that box and he just her eye her pupils open up and everything. It's just like I laughed so hard. That Stop was just purring. that was just so perfect. <laughs> this tough as nails cat person. All of a sudden it's like just a like little pussy cat sitting in the but sitting in the box. Happy as could be. Yeah. Anyone who's owned a cat like recognizes all these behaviors. Like, I'm not friendly. Oh, like I'll be friendly for now. And like the I've gotten you this scratching post, and the cat climbs into the box that the scratching post yep. came in. I mean, that's literally <laughs> what's happening here. Is that is, is that uh, that experience? So whoever wrote this episode definitely owned a cat. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I like I like the so by the end of the episode, uh Mariner and and uh, Tendi have bonded and become friends despite mm-hmm. their disillusionment at not knowing each other as well as they thought. And mm-hmm. at that point, the uh, at that point, um, 
Mariner contrives a plan to explain why the scratching post is broken that'll get Tendy off the hook. Mm-hmm. And so she rams the Cerritos' shields. And yeah. and and then and so that explains why the post is broken. And then she she tries to she accepts responsibility, but says it was because a bee got in the <laughs> shuttle and and caused havoc. Right. She should have said it was a space bee because <laughs> everything is a space whatever. Yeah. The space well, bee got in it. I love that about the shuttle because they, you know, they ramp it up like it's going to be this big crash and the shuttle just kind of bounces Boink. off the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Boink>. <laughs> it reminded me of a, of a moment in a movie, uh, Tom Arnold movie called The Stupids, which yeah. is really, really funny. Um, but it's about Stanley Stupid and his family. And <laughs> there's a there's a bit in the movie where the family has gone to a newspaper and because they're the stupids, they don't understand what's happening around them. And they um, they uh, are trying to use the computer system in the newspaper office. And this is back in the day where you had physical disks mm-hmm. that you would have to put into a drive. And they like feed oatmeal or something into one of the drives and the computer says drive be fatal error. <laughs> and mean and then they're talking to Stanley, the father of the family on the phone. He has just come from an unwittingly come from a meeting with arms merchants uh-huh. <laughs> and he's driving in this car and they call him and they and they warn him that the computer system has told them about something called the drive B and mm. any error could be fatal. <laughs> oh, and and then he's got the window rolled down and a bee gets in the car and he's like, oh no, the drive bee. <laughs> and, and, and he like gets out of the car and is running away and one of the arms merchants shoots the car with like a bazooka and it blows up and that's the fatal error. So, <laughs> so, any, so anytime I hear about bees, a bee got on the shuttle, I think about the drive bee and any error could That's be fatal. hilarious. That sounds a lot like Steve Martin's The Jerk. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the movie starts when Stanley Stupid cannot figure out the sinister conspiracy that is responsible for why his garbage keeps disappearing from the cans <laughs> he puts it in. <laughs> <laughs> How do people like that survive? So, uh, so in the end, between Mariner and Tendi, Mariner admits that she keeps relationships shallow intentionally. Because when she opens up and makes friends, they get promoted and leave her. That's a re- reference to Boimler in part. Uh, and Tendi admits that she's such a people pleaser that she never talks about herself. And so people don't get to know her. And that's also something we've seen. So they, they've mm-hmm. kind of broken down those barriers. Um, you mentioned how when Boimler finally gets to the bridge, he's so disheveled, so messed up from crawling through the Jeffrey's <laughs> tubes that he looks like a Kazon and Paris attacks him, which I think is great because like, Paris, you're in the Alpha Quadrant. Where would a Kazon have come from? But you know. <laughs> well, I love Boimler. Boimler's proud. Like, no, there's only a few people in the Alpha Quadrant that have got a black eye from Tom Paris. He's all proud of it. <laughs> only a few, apparently. <laughs> I like how they beefed up security because of the pack leads. 
Right. Because <laughs> yeah. the packlids are such, such a danger. Well, uh, and I, I like, I mean, so the packlids were originally introduced in the episode The Samaritan Snare, which was a terrible mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Um, but even then, they made the point, I believe it was Data who made the point, do not confuse their verbal simplicity for a lack of intelligence. Right, right. right. That's true. That's true. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Mariner takes responsibility for ramming the shuttle into the into the Cerritos' uh, shields. So she ends up in the brig again. And I like the fact that going to the brig on the Cerritos is like getting grounded and your friends can still come over and hang out with you. Like, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. really much of a punishment after all. <laughs> but uh, that is kind of funny that way, especially when they let you have your iPad and everything like that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you, and you don't have to work. So. uh <laughs> Any other notes about this episode, Father Corey? Nothing here. Jimmy? Nope. All right, so let's get to our feedback. Uh, our first bit of feedback from our last episode, uh, on His Eyes Open, uh, our friend from SQPN, who's a uh, host of Secrets of uh, Stargate, Jack Barazzini, says, Dom, Jimmy, and Father Corey at microphones. Jimmy, his beard red. So, yeah, I'll need a little description. more clarity on the meaning, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly <laughs> description of the episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, got got literary roots there. I mean, you've got the roots <laughs> yep. there. I just don't know the context. <laughs> right, yep, right. Exactly. And uh, here's an email I got from John Scrivo, who sent it in. He says, uh, I've really enjoyed this season of Lower Decks and the podcast. The characters have a great chemistry, and it's refreshing to have some fun episodes instead of long story arcs with disappointing resolutions. <coughs> Discovery. Uh, that's my yeah. <laughs> editorial insertion. Boimler's defense of the D was a personal favorite moment. Uh, SQPN has been there for me a lot over the past month. My wife was diagnosed with preeclampsia and had to spend four weeks in a hospital an Ooh. hour from our home. Needless to say, I managed to listen to a lot of podcasts traveling back and forth. Thanks be to God, my wife is fine and our son was born at 34 weeks. He's tiny but mm. mighty and should be ready to come home within the week. I wanted our son's name to be Dominic after my great-grandfather. My wife said I wanted to name him after you. I don't see what's wrong with that. I'm an SQPN <laughs> fanboy, but really, I just like the name. Uh, I do, too. In the end, we named him Leonardo. Thanks again for all the great programming. It helped keep my spirits up and also helped uh, kept me awake during the long car rides. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your son and, and uh, glad that everything turned out well with your wife and everything. And glad we were able to give you some uh, uh Accompaniment as you're driving back and forth. That's for sure. And for listeners who may not be aware, preeclampsia is a condition that can develop during pregnancy. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, And uh, naming him Leonardo is lots of opportunities for dad jokes about Ninja Turtles. So let's just make that clear. That's a great pick. (laughs) Are the Ninja Turtles still a a thing that young people are aware of? Yes. Yes. Uh, They've come back again. Like they've rebooted it, I think. Yeah, because I was there when the original Ninja Turtles were coming out as comic books. Yeah. And before they became big with a cartoon and everything. Yeah, they keep rebooting them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, well, they're a significant IP. That's right. Yep. Got to make the money on the IP. But uh, thank you, John, for that and uh, for the uh, the amusement. My wife wouldn't let me name my son Dominic either, so I, I'm I'm with you. So we, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Tim G, Ramses, David W, Thomas A, and Nick S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
So that's it from us. We'd love to hear from you what you think of We'll Always Have Tom Paris or anything else. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of Lower Decks. But until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, what was the deal with T'Pol's hair for that one year? <laughs>